we don't want to make you if you're an engineer and you you have this idea of optimization we want to cut that time for you to think about how to measure that or like what tool to measure or like what metric should i pick you know it should become kind of natural that was Malik Akeem and this is Chasing Waterfalls, a podcast featuring conversations with the people working to make the web faster for everyone. My name is Tim Cadlick. I'm a web performance consultant and your host. Malik and I had a fantastic conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to him. We got into a lot of details around the performance work being done at Priceline and the work that Malik and his peers are doing to not just improve performance on the site, but really to cement and establish this culture of performance internally. So there's a lot of practical discussion around things that they found that worked and haven't, things around tooling and automation, but also, you know, how do you share information with other people in the organization and how do you get buy-in from different people internally? Before we get to the conversation, though, I do want to take a moment to thank Speedcurve for sponsoring the episode. Now, I can't pretend not to be biased when it comes to Speedcurve. I love the product. I love the people there. I've, you know, Tammy, Mark, and Steve in particular, I've known for years. It's just a great group of people working on a fantastic product. I've been extremely excited by what they've built over the years. But I'm really happy to have them sponsoring. I'm particularly happy to have them sponsoring this episode because, again, we're going to be talking a lot about cultural issues. And now I don't think you can solve cultural issues with tools, not by any stretch of the imagination. That's not how this works. But the right tools can help to support your cultural efforts. And, and Speedcurve has quite a few features that come to play there. For example, if you want to get that buy-in, right? One of the great effective ways that we've seen to do this is to get people to look at competitive benchmarking, look at how you rank against your competitors. Most folks have an internal competitive drive and that really gets them riled up. So it's a great way to get somebody who wasn't really paying attention to performance to notice it, to stand up and say, well, hold on, we got to do something about that. And Speedcurve lets you do this. Speedcurve lets you benchmark yourself against you know your top competitors and so you can track how you're performing against them over time you can also create charts that correlate business metrics to performance metrics you know things like bounce rate or, or conversion rate you know th things like that that matter to different people in the organization who maybe don't care about you know how many seconds it takes for your page to become interactive or load but they do care if their bounce rate is jumping up or they do care if their conversion is suffering as a result so these being able to show these correlation charts can be a really impactful way of getting that buy-in and then you can take these charts that you're creating and you can create these custom dashboards for the different people inside of your company you have to communicate to different people in different ways if you want that buy-in and support. Not everybody cares about shaving a few seconds off of your load time. Some people internally, maybe your execs care about conversion rate. Maybe your SEO teams care about metrics that relate to SEO from an SEO perspective. So you can set up different custom dashboards for each of these different teams and generate reports that each of these teams get. So it's just the stuff that matters to them and it's tailored to them. And there's so much more that Speedcurve does. You can, you know, establish performance budgets, which you can use to sort of catch regressions as well as, you know, celebrate when you're getting these wins. There's a lot of fantastic features in the product that can really support your efforts. If you are interested, Speedcurve does have a support article that talks specifically around establishing this performance culture and, you know, different ways that you can use Speedcurve to support those efforts, which will be linked to in the show notes. Highly recommend checking that out. And again, you can take Speedcurve for a free trial and, you know, fire it up and just get, you know, play around with it. It's a really wonderfully designed product. Again, I'm a massive fan. So thank you, Speedcurve, for sponsoring the first episode. And now on to the conversation. 
Hey, Malik, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk performance with me. Hey, how are you doing? Happy to be here. Before we get to the meat and potatoes of the discussion and stuff, I thought it would make sense for you to just, you know, for anybody listening, tell them a little bit about you and, and what you're doing and where you are. Sure. So currently I am a performance engineer at Priceline. For whom who doesn't know what Priceline is, we're a travel website. We've been active since 1997, 98. Which in tech terms is like forever, basically. Yep. It's like dog years. <laughs> yeah. The company's seen it all in terms of tech stacks and the web. Currently, my role is to kind of evangelize the cultural performance at the company and try to install an effective culture of performance, make sure that it's part of the engineering workflows, that something that's brought up, as well like helping like find optimization techniques and opportunities uh, within the company and within our website. It sounds like my kind of role. <laughs> so, and this is, I think the first part of that in particular is one of the main reasons why I wanted to have an excuse to talk to you because we had a chance to sit down and chat before. There's been a lot of really interesting work done inside of Priceline around that, like this culture. And I know that you've been talking to the New York performance meetup and stuff around like sort of scaling this. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. So I really wanted to dive into that. When you joined Priceline, you didn't join Priceline to be a performance engineer or to have this performance focus, right? Yeah, first I joined as a software engineer, so I was working on mainly on a rental car product. And mostly my work was focused on UX front-end, pretty much everything front-end on the node layer. But most of the work was like feature building and things like that. I had a chance to work in a rental car product because we, we kind of revamped, so we migrated from our legacy stack to mostly our new front-end stack. So we kind of moved from uh, Angular we kind of modernize the stack to build it in React and Webpack and kind of leverage some kind of orchestration using GraphQL. But also we had a lot of different, like our mission because we were, the product needs to be kind of localized and internationalized. So we had kind of like a green field of like trying to choose any new stacks and try to kind of build that up as a common platform for other teams to, uh, to jump on. And at that time, you know, I've been interested a lot into trying to get the new stack kind of more optimized uh, in terms of web performance and in terms of uh, user experience. And that's how I kind of dive in into like working more and more and focusing more on, on performance. At that time, we kind of opened up a new role for our performance engineering and I kind of jumped on it because it was exciting to kind of open up uh, my work, not only within the team that I, I was, was in, but more mostly on the company and, and try to uh, have a, more impact on the culture. I think you told me the story of how that role or you discovered that role was available, right? That, that happened through the meetup, right? My current boss right now, Tom, he's actually a veteran in the company and he's been doing performance work for a very long time. And I go to meetups in, in New York City. Uh, just to kind of uh, absorb most of the knowledge. And it happened to be like I was in the, in the New York Web Performance Meetup. And Which, just to interrupt for one second, is one of, in my opinion, I've done plenty of the Web Performance Meetups. New York is right up there with London. I feel like those are the two best meetups, like from a performance perspective. They're just both fantastic. Right. It's. I agree with you. I think it's one of the great meetups in terms of resources and knowledge about learning about the web in general. And the great thing, like, what I love about performance is like it touches every piece of the stack, right? And there's this cultural aspect to it, but it's technical, but you kind of need to dig in into the details, but I always have a view of like the entire architecture of software. 
long story short, you know, we were at the meetup, you know, in the beginning we do the announcement, like who's hiring and things like that. And Tom, he just like raised his hand and he was like, yeah, we were hiring, we're looking for engineers. And then Sergey, the host was, was asking, what's the company? And he was like, Priceline. And I looked at him, he was like sitting like <laughs> right on my left. And I was like, wow, who's this guy? <laughs> so on the break, you know, I went to him and he was like, I actually work on the same company. And yeah, since then, you know, we kind of built up the relationship and we decided to emerge ourselves more and more into uh, working on performance uh, engineering in the company. Where did that sort of decision come from? That desire to like, hey, we don't have a performance team now. We don't have performance engineers now. Or at least I, that's my understanding of where the situation was to, you know what, we need to bring people in and have people internally that this is what they do and this is what they focus on. Like what catapulted that whole decision? The amount of work. Nowadays, there's a lot of tooling out there that can help you with the work. And we just needed some kind of centralized entity to kind of organize that and like set at least some kind of standards, but also kind of help out engineering to kind of get more support and buy-in from leadership. Um, so now the team is called Architecture, um, mostly. So um, it's mostly like we, we deal about any platform-specific things. We're actually cross-stacks. We kind of like jump in different projects and different teams, like depends on the need. But I think the, the main idea is to kind of break up the silos within the company. With that, you know, we get different people from different teams kind of sit on the same table and kind of discuss a common theme, which is performance. But also we need to kind of manage, you know, tooling and we can get into that a little bit more like ROM and, and synthetic testings and things like that. Okay. So from the breaking down the silo perspective, then how do you do that? Because like having the dedicated team, that's always one of the things that people wonder about. You know, you have this dedicated team of performance folks, but how do you then work with everybody else? Do you just identify the issues and hand them down and they have to deal with it? Do you consult with them? How do you make sure that each of those teams are involved in sort of embracing these same sort of performance, I guess the performance mindset? I mean, if it comes up from a team, which ideally what do we want, right? Like we want teams to kind of identify the opportunities within like the products. We kind of try to raise that up at a level where like forums and meetings where like we know that there's some more representation across the company and get like other teams to know uh, and the other thing right now we're running a performance ambassador meeting and it's kind of like an initiative to kind of build up this cross stack representation from different teams about anyone who's kind of passionate about performance uh, really for the teams we don't have representation it's kind of like uh, people who are nominated by their managers and come up and show up and get that knowledge. The Performance Ambassador Group would be a great, I would say, trick or a great opportunity to to find the space, you know, to express any, you know, performance optimizations that you've been working on or you found interesting. We go and discuss like how we can probably standardize that and you know make that work for everyone else to consume. Also. It could be any other teams, right? Like we have other forums, like operations meetings, where like people discuss things about operations. We have other forums, like we have this other group called UXT, so for all front-end engineers and, and dev managers and things like that. And we're kind of doing the same for like all our services tier. So, you know, like a lot of things come up, uh, not only performance, but the team right now, you know, we're trying to put more structure and make that as easy as possible for engineers to get that and their workflow. Sure. Performance can be a little bit intimidating. 
at first if you if you <laughs> yeah, really definitely if you really don't have the resources and you don't know really what to do so it's just like yeah bringing people together you know if if i have if i work on my stack is on front end and i really don't know how to do you know I, probably there's another team of the company is doing something similar to me that's a great occasion to kind of come and discuss these similarities and what we can do together so just to reiterate in the structure so there is like a core group of people that does the performance engineering like how many performance engineers are a price line currently i mean we don't have a core team of engineering okay. um it's usually comes by interest and this is the ambassador group right like that's what we're talking about when we talk about comes by interest it's like the ambassador group is the folks from the different teams getting together because they care about perf and yeah right right i mean it starts okay. like that but now we kind of open that up to more of like whoever is interested right Sure. Um, I mean, before it's like we, we made sure that we have some good representation in different teams, but but now it's like whoever is interested because, you know, people come and go. You, you always have people that comes in and like they show some passion. So you, you want to kind of embrace that, right? And, and make them part of the discussion, the conversation. It's kind of working for us uh, right now. We're, we're still iterating. We're still finding, you know, the best kind of formula to kind of make that across the company, but it's, at least it's working kind of spread out the, the, the performance sure. passion, right? And it sort of forces in some way, in a good way, not forces bad, but like in a good way, it brings together organically what happened with you and Tom at the meetup, right? Like you were both at Priceline, you both cared about performance, we're both into it, but neither one of you knew the other one was there. You know, and I think a lot of times, especially if a culture of performance is not established and it's a large organization, there are individuals who really, really care and get really passionate about it. I mean, they don't know that there are other people that feel the same way. And so they feel like they're kind of turning ahead um, by themselves. But this sort of brings them all and gives them sort of a community where they can find out, hey, they're not alone and then work with other people to kind of bolster, you know, the organization at large. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what we're trying to build, right? The community of performance, I guess, experts, because community builds up some kind of expertise, right, around these topics. So when you first started with like going down this engineering, performance engineering route, and first started to really try to push Priceline into this organization that prioritized performance and had this strong culture, was there any resistance or pushback either from engineering or management or anyone involved? I would not say resistance. You know, usually people don't have anything against performance, right? I mean, ideally you would want to have that. It's just about priorities, right? Sure. I think that the pushback that we got is more as like, yeah, I don't have time for this. So this is not as important as we think and like once we have the space and you know we could we were able to kind of discuss you know what we can do as like low-hanging fruits something that is small that can help us kind of show the impact that make us kind of move from this position of like yeah i mean this is great it's nice to have but it's probably not you know we don't know if it's actually you know gonna bring us some benefit or not and you probably want to just like put up a task or a ticket or whatever and you know we'll look at it uh, at some time and more of like yeah i mean this is great like this is task or, or this this performance work can lead us you know to impact the business most of the time that's the issue you get and uh, we could kind of prioritize it as any other feature request right so yeah, I mean, we, we started small at first. We were actually working on trying to find like small tasks that we can do that, you know, we could like test and try to show the impact. And yeah, like you iterate and you do different tests and some of them, you know, shows up to be beneficial, right? And sometimes surprising. 
and I guess like that that gets the ball rolling. Give me one of those surprises. That's a, that's a little bit of a tease there. Sometimes surprising. Are you able to tell me one of them? Sure. One <laughs> that helped us a lot is to optimize the logo <laughs> SVG on the on the. Oh, I think we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after we got our redesign, what happened is like the designer, you know, hand the logo to the developer. It's an SVG. You know, you think it's optimized, it's amazing, and you just put it in your code, and you know, you call it a day, right? And we spent a couple of, of time with that and we looked at it and we thought that we can optimize it a little bit more, right? And there's tools out there, you know, you could, you could do that work right now pretty easily. So we just took that old logo, optimized it, still looks the same, and we dumped it on the website. Actually, not only dumped it on the website, we wrapped it on some A-B tests, right? We just served this old logo versus the new logo and just kind of see like what's what's the impact. And I think that what produced it, it was like around like 15 KB or something like that was, you can argue in It doesn't sound like a lot in yeah, the service, but yeah. Yeah, but when we got the results back, you know, from the A-B test, you know, it was a couple of hundreds of bookings. <laughs> and I think the reason, because our logo is being shipped uh, across the entire website, so it's impacting every product and sure. so product and business saw the impact and they're like, okay, this, <laughs> let's do more of these. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's kind of what prioritize, you know, other, um, other tests. Yeah. So, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I think, that, I think that sort of highlights why it's so important to do the experimentation, right? Like, because again, on the surface, yeah, you know, 15 K is nothing to sneeze at, but it's also not necessarily it's not the kind of optimization you're expecting to move major mountains of business metrics, right? And then otherwise, uh, you know, alternatively, sometimes we get these like optimizations that on the surface seem like big things and then like don't move the needle much. So it's like having that data-driven experiment approach to putting this stuff out there seems paramount to making this actually stick in any way, shape or form. No, I think like that's one of the key learnings we had, like just we we i think as engineers we should learn how to show the impact right on anything we do i mean i'm sure we had a lot of optimizations that we've been doing and and i've i've done some work about that but before we didn't have the right maybe measurement in place or right metrics or right uh, experimentation and right thought process about like how to to make this not only optimize it but how to test it that made us kind of did some optimizations before, but we're never being able to kind of show the impact that, you know, that helped us get that buy-in. Sure. It's easy, I think, as developers, as designers, as anybody to get really absorbed by the technical aspects of what you're doing, like the technical aspect of the optimization or the work that you're doing, and not to stop and take a step back and, and see how it's impacting that broader business thing. It's not something that I think traditionally maybe folks in our in these kind of roles have been asked to look at but yeah if you don't do that it's sort of having a long-term approach right if you don't do that you're going to maybe initially you'll get like some time but you're never going to get the time over you know the next year to be able to throw resources at this on that like a lot of people talk about that like the initial buy-in from the organization and showing those business perspective um you know impacts but have you found that you've had to do much to maintain it like do you have to keep occasionally like making sure that business is aware that of these other things that are happening and if so like how do you do that is it every time you run an a b experiment are you reporting that to to management like how does that work so that you 
keep maintaining that excitement about you know the impact of these optimizations yeah i think that that's probably the core of the work we're trying to do right now is to kind of build up that tooling to kind of support the process that you you go through as an engineer or only as a product manager we don't want to make you if you're an engineer and you have this idea of optimization we want to cut that time for you to think about how to measure that or like what tool to measure or like what metric should i pick you know it should become kind of natural you know you think about all these trade-offs and and how to put that nicely into like maybe like a report or i mean that kind of comes like in different shapes like in different stages of your development you know we're trying to improve toolings when you develop and there's a lot of great toolings around there but just pick the ones that we think is interesting and like have some kind of consensus across the company uh, when you deploy so in your like ci pipeline and things like that you know i know that my Unit tests are passing, but also, you know, some kind of performance tests that are passing. I don't have to do some extra work to get that going. Uh, but also, like, if it's a test, get, like, performance data side by side with business data without extra effort for PM, too. You know, I know that this is impacted business by X percent, but it's also impacting this metric performance metrics by, by this percent, right? And uh, not only that, you know, and I think this is the part that takes most time is just to kind of have people know about that not just like this column that no one is going to look at you know like we know that this is makes sense that you know people kind of internalize it and know that this is actually impacting the user experience this much what have you found that's worked well for that so far because i know that is a big challenge that is not just some column and, and like building up that awareness have you found some things that work better than others right now we're still early in that process most of the challenge is to kind of build up this tooling around the existing tooling that we have um, okay. because sometimes like you can argue it's easy i mean i can i can just buy another tool and just you know have it in my arsenal of tools but <laughs> that will be an extra dashboard to look at right this it's not exactly. gonna be um, yeah gonna be easy to kind of understand and things so challenge is like to work with whatever we have right now for like analytics tools and you know like login tools and things like that and just have these maybe a visualization or this column you know to kind of work with this data right yeah i think like right now it's a lot of data work <laughs> at this point sure you know try to understand the other data we have and you know whatever we're collecting with rom or with synthetic metrics and things like that and like pick whatever metrics make sense and you know work on have it the most accurate way and like how to visualize it and things like that so it sounds like the goal here which makes sense yeah. is to try and like bring performance to the teams rather than make the teams go to performance that analogy kind of falls apart but you get kind of what i mean right yeah. like yeah i mean you're always as an engineer you always can go and use the tools that you know right i mean you know if i know how to use the audit tab and run a lighthouse test or uh, run the profiler or anything like that you know you're more than welcome to to do that but also we want to have some kind of structure that if you really want to show the impact these are like a set of low-hanging fruit metrics i would guess and statistics sure. you know that that always available to me without an extra effort that tracks the, the user yes. experience right sure so let's say that there's a <laughs> There's a Malik a couple of years ago out there at another organization, right? And uh, they are, 
you know, they're just starting, like they haven't gotten to the point where Priceline is, what would you kind of, based on your experience, like, and, and the progress that you have made at Priceline so far, you know, where do you feel those first steps need to be? Or maybe to put that another way, if you look back at some of the things you've done to build up this culture of performance inside of Priceline, are there certain things that really stand out as like, these should be your first couple of steps or things that maybe were missteps, things that, you know, you probably put too much of a priority or not enough priority on early on? Again, I think buying is very important. You really don't want to find yourself in a place where like people don't understand what you're doing or if you're on a scrum team, whatever, right? If you want to size a specific work, you want to make everyone understand that if I'm going to say this is going to take an extra day or two of work, you know, to make this efficient, people kind of understand that. And, and, you know, some organizations are better than others in this in terms of, you know, prioritizing uh, performance from the beginning. But also one of the great important things we touched on, you know, it's, it's, it's the culture of experimentation, right? Like I want to have that as a platform that kind of helps me justify the work that I'm doing. Like being data-driven from the beginning, right? Maybe another one is like to not overwhelm people with all metric, all these metrics and all statistics and things like that. Try to choose one or two that you think is important, maybe iterate on it um, down the road, maybe test you know, some other metrics and see maybe these are like reflecting better the user experience I'm having because different websites and different products, you know, behave differently. Landing page is different from a listings page from maybe sure. a booking page from um, maybe some kind of editor tool and things like that that is very interactive in nature. So yeah, like define these metrics that actually works for that specific piece of product and kind of iterate on it. Yeah, that's, that's a real problem, especially, I mean, it's a good problem to have, like, you know, the last handful of years, we've just had this sort of explosion of different metrics that gives us insight into things that we couldn't see before. But the downside of that is that you talk about, like you were, I said, you said earlier, performance can be overwhelming. You talk about overwhelming, like looking at this, like just plethora of different performance metrics available can be completely like overwhelming to the point where like you don't make any forward progress at all. How did you handle that? Like, did you, how did you zero in on the metrics that you use? And then how did you make sure that people understood what those metrics meant um, and sort of educate them on what they could pay attention to and what maybe was a little less important? This is a, one of the great things that Performance Ambassador Group was was a great opportunity to kind of have the space to discuss these things, right? We, we've got a couple of sessions where we brought up, you know, dozen of metrics and kind of discuss them kind of one by one and go through them. It's like, oh, okay, is this, is this something that maybe sometimes like rebrand the way you call the metric, right? Define how different tools measure the metric. So yeah, like education kind of goes there and in at the end like we kind of ended up you know choosing five core metrics that we said this is the metrics that explains kind of thing or represents or illustrates our user experience when you load a page and it comes on a sequential way and this is our spec and we're gonna measure this synthetically and we're gonna measure this using real user and and this kind of kind of match up right and the more you use this you will find people kind of lean more on specific metrics than others sure. and i think it's fine because people kind of now like kind of adopt specific metrics and you know they use them uh, whenever they release any new feature or any any kind of work 
but also always like we try to kind of iterate on them and, and you know improve the way uh, these metrics works best and represent the user experience. And so when you say iterate, you're talking about like being able to look at those metrics and maybe how they actually are impacting the experience live, like through real, you know, real user monitoring or things like that, or yeah, how are you iterating? So for example, one of the most interesting ones we had is visual complete, right? Visual complete could be, this is a metric that I love and I think it's very easy to understand. You know, if you say this page is 100% visual complete, you know, you talk to us. Yeah, it's pretty self-descriptive, isn't it? Yeah. Right. But that's one of the other, the hardest ones to kind of measure and, and get it right because different pages differ differently. It's not natively supported by browsers. You have to kind of play tricks about measuring it. So yeah, I mean, we we went, for example, just use, so we use Boomerang for uh, real user measurement. It provides this visually ready metric that we thought is similar to it, but then kind of iterate and use uh, hero images as an anchor, for example, to, to use that measurement. But then, you know, you see a lot of noise and things like that, and you're like, oh, maybe I should use some synthetic visually ready, uh, visually complete, that you know is pretty stable for the specific page you know uses frame rating and things like that uh, sorry frame recording and you know that actually represents better the experience even though you know it's not across everyone and and then you go okay should i look at median should i look at p95 or should i look at p99 and that kind of goes you know you start optimizing your median and then you start optimizing yeah. your p95 and you're like oh actually now i'm in a good shape i can go and hit the p99 and you know these kind of iterations right but this kind of goes across the organization right like change the standards and kind of right raise the bar or actually lower <laughs> lower the bar <laughs> for, for yeah. metrics to get you know a piece of feature or loading page you know faster and faster do you have you had to do any work around you mentioned like you know in some of those situations some of those metrics can have quite a bit of variability right from page to page or from even page load to page load if there's a lot of third party stuff coming in have you had issues with any of these metrics being too variable to the point where teams didn't trust them necessarily or started to tune them out or you know has that been an issue at all or that's that's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, um, you you get like some trust issues about that. You know, especially you run it in this tool, and then some engineer uses another tool, and they will tell you, "Oh, this is I'm getting a different number." You know, why is that? Sure. So I think it's important to go through like this discussion and say, "Okay." We're measuring this way and this way. But you can't argue that either of us is right or wrong, but we have to kind of have a consensus to just choose one that we think works best and use that because that's going to be set as a baseline and we're going to use it for, for benchmarks. But also, you know, we try to always emphasize the fact to use aggregates, right, versus just one sure. or two runs. And yeah, like the more we have visibility, the more we do logging and things like that. Now we can identify outliers and we actually know that, you know, if you get this slow experience here, we know that you're on this part of the spectrum and, you know, we're kind of doing some work to kind of optimize that. And who does sort of that deep dive kind of analysis? Is that is that on you then mostly or is that like the performance ambassador group? 
because if they're coming from other places and other teams, obviously they've got other things that also have to be top of mind. So how does that work for the deep dive analysis and stuff? It's really anyone. Okay. I mean, personally, I spend a lot of time trying to do that because being, you know, immersed in the data and anything, you know, you have a, an interesting question or anything like that, you know, you could just, you know, go and dive in and see what's going on. But could be anyone, you know, depends on like on your level of expertise with the, like the analytics tool, logging tools we're using. If you find anything interesting, you know, and, and people did, you know, like they do optimizations and things like that. They come up and bring that up in teams and, you know, they show up their dashboards and something like that. And some sure. other team, oh, actually, this is interesting. You know, we never thought about looking at this this way. A couple times, kind of, I think this is an example where you've talked about like sort of this, I guess, more alluded to the importance of making sure that people are armed with the tools and the knowledge to be able to do this. And I understand there's the performance ambassador group and there are meetings associated with that. You know, are there other things that you're doing? Like, do you have lunch and learns? Do you do like an internal sort of wiki or knowledge base around performance? Are there things like that that you've been doing to try and give people access to this information? Yep. Documentation is huge. This is not only exclusive to performance engineering. We do that for every kind of kind of work, I guess, (laughs) around engineering or even outside (laughs) of engineering. Uh, But we have our own performance engineering space where we just document wikis about you know how to set up this test or the list of standards we think is interesting you know people post uh, different resources you know that just come up in the industry and we just try to go and try to adopt that and make that our own standards um, in the company Um, so yeah we we try to work to do some work around that to kind of organize these different optimizations sometimes we go uh, about documenting how much effort they will stay, this would take, try to get like kind of state of union, like where different apps are around, you know, instrumentation and things like that. And yeah, I think, I think this is very important for everyone to kind of see, you know, the progression of work we've been going through, but also, you know, contribute internally. It sounds like just as big of, you know, that culture of experimentation is so critical to this, but so is this sort of environment where everybody's just bought into sharing and learning and, you know, helping to prop each other up in a way. It sounds like that goes hand in, like that has to be there as well. It's great. I mean, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the work of an engineer, you know, it's getting harder and harder nowadays, right? You really need to make it work. <laughs> then you need to make it fast and you need to make it accessible and you need to make it localized and you need to write tests and you need to do like this hundred checklist thing you know before you know make it to production and really you know having this kind of discussions this knowledge base and things like that you know that would make things kind of more natural for you to do the work right it's it, sh- it shouldn't be like something that is kind of imposed to you one of the other thing I don't know if I touched on, like trying to kind of impose hard rules about like a pass and fail kind of thing about specific metrics. And we try to always like be careful about that. Like what, you know, going soft and then, you know, once we set up a baseline and things like that, make it a hard rule and then go back and document that. And like, so that other people would know that what other teams are in kind of thing and their kind of thresholds. I think it's, it's exciting. <laughs> It is really exciting. It's just 
not being afraid to kind of pick the route that works best with you. And there's a lot of patience and baby steps involved too. It's, I mean, because you've gone through, we've talked about a lot of really cool stuff that you're doing organizationally, things that you have set up. But how long, how long has it taken to get to this point? I think years. Yeah, again, like it didn't start with me. It's, you know, it's, right. it's kind of like a movement, but, you know, try to kind of keep up the momentum, like I said, and like try to kind of expand the, the scope of it. A lot of other people done some great work. We want to give credit for that and we want to acknowledge that and, and, and get that as one of the priorities that the company needs to worry about. I think, you know, performance matters. <laughs> it's, it really matters. I agree, we, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you, you have to kind of have it part of the, the work in a, in a smart way, I guess, but but it should be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely got to be part of the DNA. And that's something that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and effort to make it happen. Well, Malik, thank you. That was fantastic. There was a lot of great stuff. If people want to pay attention to what you're doing after this or what Priceline is doing, you know, are there, where do you recommend people do go for that? I'm on Twitter, Malik Hakim with the two underscores between Malik and Hakim. Two underscores, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Try to kind of post some interesting things we're hiring it's always <laughs> it's a shameless plug so and we if you happen to be in new york we, we try to host you know meetups and things like that for web performance meetup and other meetups so whenever we have the opportunity we just go and and show some of the work we're doing cool sounds great well again thank you sir appreciate it that was fantastic uh and i'll talk to you later thank you bye Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the first ever episode of Chasing Waterfalls. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Malik as much as I did. I am really excited about the podcast. I'm really excited about the guests that are coming up. There are some fantastic folks with some really great information and insights to share. If you want to make sure that you don't miss those episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast subscription service or application. And if you enjoyed today's episode and you feel so inclined, leave a review or a comment on any of those services. Again, I'm really excited about the guests we've got coming up. I think there's some really interesting tidbits that are going to be shared from all of them. And I want to get that out in front of as many people as possible. And every little comment or every little review helps. The podcast was produced by Steph Colburn from Edit Audio. She's fantastic. And the music that you heard, the fun little 8-bit music, which I'm so excited about, is produced by Daryl Banner. He does 8-bit covers of a bunch of different music. This was TLC's Waterfalls. Absolutely check out his stuff if you enjoyed that. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.